Hey everybody, this is Carl Gladstone and this is Uproar. Today we talk with Ellen and Corey Simon about their conspiracies of goodness and forging disruptive disciples. We also want to encourage everybody to be paying attention to the Moto Food Truck hashtag on Instagram and social media as we envision food trucks that might empower our campus ministries into the future. Check that out. Let us know your vision. And we'll see you then. Welcome to Uproar Live. We're here with Ellen. Ellen, welcome Thank to you. our, uh, I don't know what this is. It's not a TV show, but it's, you know, something. <laughs> a live show. Uh, yeah, the live show. That's right. So Ellen is a recent participant in our um, Motor City Wesley Conspiracies of Goodness. And she has since transitioned into life beyond school and so we thought it'd be good to check in with her see how things are going and to have her reflect a little bit on her conspiracy of, of goodness that she did um just a few months ago in the before times yeah so ellen think about that yeah right so where are you now where are you doing these kind of during the pandemic times um, um yeah well it's been kind of crazy since i've graduated i've, I've got married um moved into the to the parsonage with my husband um who's a pastor Corey simon um and he's coming to sit right next to me there he Um, is and so it's been kind of wild to imagine that i was uh just a student back before december uh because that's when i graduated was this past december and it's just insane to think that life has moved so quickly and now we're in a pandemic and I it's hard to remember life before the pandemic what was going on before that I'm I'm not 100% certain but yeah. that's kind of where I am right now a week before this started we were seeing Letterkenny live and so and now the idea of being in a crowded place with two three thousand people is unimaginable <laughs> Yeah, it feels like that ne- that never happened before, right? That it was just like part of uh, uh, like J.R.R. Tolkien had like invented that idea or something. It was yeah. In books. Yeah. I'm glad you um, confirmed that Corey is the pastor at the church and you're not just squatting in the parsonage. No, I'm not. I'm not. Well, I am squatting, but also I live here. well thanks for kind of letting us know where you are and before uh december you were finishing up at u of m dearborn yes and uh we had the opportunity to um support a hundred dollar conspiracy of goodness project with you can you tell us a little bit about where that hundred dollars kind of led you and and what did you do uh for your conspiracy yeah so um i as as a job um up until just very recently, I uh, worked as a substitute teacher. So I worked in four different counties, actually, as a sub, and I was able to sort of see the differences in schools depending on what neighborhood, um, what neighborhood I was teaching in, um, mm-hmm. what area I was teaching in, and I could see the difference in disparity that the students faced from day to day, um, what the students' needs were based on like where they were living and, um, you know, eth- ethnic, racial background as well, um, where they sort of got placed on uh, 
sort of a scale of, of margins. And I was like, Detroit, Detroit is a place that the Detroit public school system has been constantly, constantly defunded and um, really put through the ringer. And the people who have suffered the most is the kids. So I wanted to look at some Detroit schools uh, that really could use some extra help. And doing my research, I found uh, the Clara Barton Elementary. And they are an elementary school K through six that had just opened up this year again. Um, after nine years, I believe, of being closed because oh, the man. Detroit had closed that school up and they had so many extra kids like overflowing from the other elementaries. They had to open up another building. So they open up this building that's been abandoned for nine years and looks like it's been abandoned for nine years. There's still graffiti all over the building and they're opening it up to elementary schoolers because they have literally nowhere else to go. And I meet with the principal and she is just an astonishing person. I forget her name right now but she is an astonishing lady. And she's like, yes, we could definitely use some help. So I ended up raising, I think, $200. Um, and uh, I provided uniforms for the school because that was what they needed the most. They, uh, they do navy blue bottoms and then a yellow top because they want to make sure that, you know, none of the kids are going missing or anything it's just a way to like keep track of how many kids are there and it's much easier if they're all wearing the same colors so i went ahead and got a bunch of uniforms for them and dropped them off in a few big boxes and they were brand new uniforms new clothes and everything and i don't know where they went from there but i just really hope that they provided kids with something to wear for the well, let's see, I did that in November for the next three months they went to school until everything shut down. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't realize that, uh, I guess uh, it hadn't kind of connected. They had been closed, they reopened, and then all of a sudden, this is the year. <laughs> yep. And just wow. just getting to meet some of the kids, like I was going to, I was going to volunteer uh, a little bit in the classrooms and then never got the chance and then was going to you know, look at doing more donations and work with them. And now the school's shut down again. So I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe next year. <laughs> you shared a photo um, with us and here is some of the uniforms that you were able to provide. Yep. yep um, that was lots of uh, some of the really small uniforms because a lot of them they needed were really tiny because some of these kindergartners were the ones that really needed the clothes because they go through clothes like crazy. Yeah. Uh, ripping holes in them and stuff like that. So a lot of this was the first year that our, our son was in a school with uniform and uh, you know, he didn't really care too much. In fact, I think it, it served that purpose of everybody's in the same boat. We're all, you know, we all wear this thing. Uh, yeah. But as soon as he didn't have to go to school, he, he has basically been in printed pajama bottoms the whole rest of the time. That's okay. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. He's just totally in, in step with the zeitgeist, right? Yeah. But the, in the middle school I went to, um, when I was younger also had, a, a school uniform. So mm -hmm. I actually really loved it. I went from going to a public school where there was no uniform and really, uh, really feeling like certain people couldn't fit in because of what they could or couldn't afford to wear. 
and that sort of took the the guesswork out of it and also a polo shirt and just regular khaki pants is a lot less expensive than trying to buy these like brand name fancy clothes so it's also a little easier on the parents to buy yeah Yeah. totally i you know in some ways there was clear in my experience as a you know middle schooler there was clearly a uniform and for in in our school and it was for me zeke avarici pants uh and you know woven belts and i and my family couldn't really afford everything and so you either have this uniform that everyone has, or you basically have the uniform for the cool kids or the people, the resource kids and everybody else is looked down upon some ways. Yep. Hmm. So the uniform takes the, takes that out a little bit. And I like that. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if there's any, uh, good writing about the, you know, um, ascetic kind of Brown robes of, um, monastic orders in the past. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how that changes mindset uh, for kind of spiritual concerns along with just learning or something. There's a, there's a lot to be said about the, the limiting of choice actually being a more freeing thing. Yeah. Um, in that because we have so many choices presented to us, we actually feel more stressed. We feel more uh, uh, in bondage to use the biblical language. Yeah, um, sure. And, and when we when our options are more limited, we actually find that we have an easier time processing because that's how our brains work. Wow. See, my five-year-old's just ahead of the curve, right? <laughs> he is. Oh, man. Now, uh, Ellen, I think that you, um, you, we gave you 100 bucks for the conspiracy, and it quickly grew. I think the total actually was like 220. Um, how did that happen? What, what is it about doing a project like this that, all of a sudden more uh, more resources show up like that well it was kind of neat to watch it like double like that but also i have very supportive parents who were like <laughs> yeah we'll donate to that and very quickly logged on and they're like we're so proud of our daughter and just sharing it with the family and so i was like i wasn't too surprised that it did grow because of them uh they are very they're very kind and supportive and my mother she'll she'll shell out money to the things that she is is very supportive of and i'm one of those things <laughs> well it's great to have your family as the core of your super fans you know yeah and it was one of the things with working to um working with like the detroit public schools that i noticed is my family doesn't do too much with detroit before like they hadn't really been involved with anything in detroit my my dad was actually a little nervous Mm. he's like i i'm nervous about you going into detroit i was like well detroit's amazing so i'm gonna go into detroit (laughs) um and i love detroit so it was it was a thing there's kind of a there's almost like a dissonance there where it's like if you if you keep yourself separated from detroit it you look into it like you're you're a big outsider and you have to stay out but if you're going into it it's really this amazing place that has just been deprived of a lot of its resources but still remains alive and still has such a beautiful beating heart so and you were working one school, one classroom, a very specific kind of project, but it had these those other kind of broader connections that you were yeah. navigating. Yep. 
Hey everybody, Carl here, just in the middle to tell you a little bit about the project that we are pursuing along with support from the Forum for Theological Exploration. Motor City Villages is a chance for us to recruit, train, and place young students of color for the creation of intentional Christian communities for the purposes of vocational and spiritual discernment. We're really looking forward to this fall where we'll get our first chance to see some of this in action all the way through next June of 2021. So if you have a student at any campus in Metro Detroit, we'd love to get to know them and to tell them a little bit about how we could support them in calling a group of students together, creating a rule of life, pursuing justice and equity work, and doing the discernment around all of that experience that helps them claim God's call in their life. Be in touch with us at MotorCityWesley.org if there's a student in your neck of the woods that we should meet and call them into this mission field of Motor City Villages. We're at MotorCityWesley.org. We'll talk to you soon. Well, Alan, thanks so much for that work. And um, actually, I think your donate button is still up on our website, MotorCityWesley.org. So... If anybody awesome. wanted to still contribute, um, just know that Ellen, I'm sure you could get it to the right spot. Oh yeah. Um, and you can, you can go over there and, and support. If you have a passion for uh, Navy blue and uh, bright light yellow uh, yeah. polos. Yeah. Like a light, <laughs> I don't know, lemony yellow. <laughs> if that is your jam, uh, just let Ellen know and click that button. You can donate to her project. Um, we also wanted to check in with you guys. You have you have been starring in some live streams on Facebook, uh, doing some funny things, um, and they involve a, a craft item, uh, an artisan pra practice that that Corey you you do. Can you talk a little bit about what you guys have been doing lately? Sure. One of the things that I recently got into and have been have had this interest for a while is I've recently been able to get into blacksmithing. Yeah. Um, which has always been something that I've wanted to do, but have lacked the ability to get started because you kind of have to know where to go to look, be trained and learn how to do it. And I didn't want to just jump in and immediately uh, burn myself uh, <laughs> or, or just create a bunch of destroyed metal. Um, and so I took a class uh, and then I immediately burned myself. <laughs> very badly it took four weeks to heal and i had to dress the wounds oh, no. but, well it's really good to know that it's a partnership right from the get-go yeah but we but yep. we made it through we're healed up so um <laughs> and it was a it was a post forging accident rather than a forging accident he means I'm, he didn't burn himself on the coal or the metal it was the quenching oil oh, it man. was it was very hot oil that I, I sloshed on my hand. <laughs> oh, jeez. So that was, a, that was a lovely experience. But um, no, I actually grabbed a couple of the pieces. Uh, well, I grabbed a piece and then I grabbed uh, what I made that, or like what I made it out of. So I started yeah. out with a shotgun that had been uh, donated uh, and I cut it down. So this is just a piece of the barrel, uh, as you can see, uh, mm -hmm. pretty basic. Um, but then I was able to uh, forge it down into a uh, uh, garden spade. Nice. Literal swords into plowshares. Yep. Moment. Yep. And so wow. I, I pulled that inspiration out of what you just uh, referenced, the Isaiah passage, the Micah passage. 
uh, speaking of that prophetic witness of they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and nation shall not lift up sword against nation and neither shall they learn war anymore. Yeah. What's the organization? Uh, and the organization for that is Raw Tools, Raw Tools. Uh, which I, I'm a part of that network. Um, and so they're, they're across the country and they, they take people, they take donations uh, of guns that people, people offer um, and they, they uh, dis disassemble them. And in some cases, some, some space, some, some of the spots where you can uh, take your, take the weapon off to um, drop off. They actually are able to blacksmith it right there and turn it into a spade or a mattock or a shovel or whatever the case might be. Not as many pruning hooks these days? Uh, not too many. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish we had known about raw tools or that you had had your operation going at the point that we were moving my grandma out of uh, a facility that she was in and to another one. And lo and behold, was a six-shooter handgun just in a random dresser drawer uh, <laughs> that my dad found. And um, I think he kind of gingerly took it to the police department, you know, figuring they could do something with it. They, they took it off his hands. But it would have been really great to have been able to participate in this kind of witness. You know, the idea of uh, rolling an anvil to, like, a state house somewhere and, you know, literally doing this in front of folks to call attention to the epidemic of, of gun violence in, in our country. Yeah. And that, and that had actually been one of the plans that we were going to be doing. Uh, it was going to be next Friday, actually. Um, oh yeah. Friday. Yeah. Next Friday, yeah. it was going to be a gun buyback uh, in Detroit actually with, with, Cass. Um, with Cass community and John right. spearheading yeah. that. And I was going to, the plan had been that I would be there, uh, doing a blacksmithing demonstration, beating some of the, some of the donated guns uh, into tools that day. But obviously that didn't, <laughs> that didn't fan out. And so uh, I had to make do with what I could. <laughs> yeah. Now are, are you, um, when you're doing your live stream, are you sending people to raw tools to make donations for that kind of thing? So can you kind of still participate in that kind of work? Yeah, I uh, I usually put up uh, so so for the live stream we did on Tuesday, um, we had the uh, we had the website for raw tools going on the bottom of the screen, um, which is rawtools.org, uh, and uh, the other the other plan I have for for the web or for the the tools that I made during the live stream is that I'm going to put them up for auction on eBay. Nice, probably, and donate all the proceeds from that to. Um, the poor people's campaign and then if i can find a gofundme page for the family of uh, ahmed uh aubrey yeah. um donate the other half to that well we are good friends with uh, the wayne state students demand action group and last um last week on live uh, we were talking with megan dombrowski who helps lead that team a lot of students um, who have grown up in the, the era of school shootings are now really advocating and mobilizing for gun sense vo voters and um, getting politicians into, you know, positions where they can they can make some better choices about how we operate with uh, firearms and at least in our state. And it's really part of a broader uh, movement on a part of Students Demand Action National in every town to be to working toward registering new voters who will, who will pledge to vote for gun sense, um, you know, issues. 
So we really appreciate the way that uh, the work you're doing kind of brings that into a visual that is just, uh, it's very poignant. Now, here's another question for you all. Um, we are really glad to run, to have, you know, worked with people at various campuses around Metro Detroit. And Motor City Wesley is trying to imagine life beyond COVID-19 and thinking about how can we do that even better? How can we make it to more campuses? How can we meet more people? How can we engage them? Uh, both in, in the three things that we care most about, which are community, uh, creativity, and conspiracy, uh, all for God's goodness in the world. So the way that we're imagining that is through the idea of missional food trucks. And I wondered if we could just give you all an opportunity. If you were to have or to design or build or launch a, uh, a missional food truck, I wonder what would, what would the food truck be? What would it serve? Um, where would you take it? And how would it create missional goodness in the world? Do you guys want to take a stab at, at uh, answering that? Yeah. As, as you were like patting me, trying to stop me from doing what I was doing, because <laughs> I was looking up something very specifically for this. So, okay. um, but why don't you go ahead and I'll, I'll do my bit. No, so. go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, well, one of the things, one of the things that Jesus uh, mentions um, in, in the gospel is uh, in the gospel of Luke specific, or especially, um, he talks about the worker deserving their wages. Um, and we find we find that same thought uh, kind of repeated in James, um, James five, I think, where he talks about the uh, the workers being denied their wages. Um, and so one of the ideas that I am always playing with, if I were ever to be able to open up a coffee shop, which let's face it, is every or is every pastor under the age of fifties dream. Yeah, exactly. It's everybody's um, retirement plan too, right? But but the entire the entire structure of how that would work um, would be that it's a it's effectively a nonprofit, um, and all of the wages, all of the profits uh, that that are you know beyond yeah all of the profits uh, go directly to the workers. Nice. Uh, and so and so the the workers, however much they are able to make over the course of their their uh, shifts, uh, they that's what they get. That's what they take home. Um, and so, you know, that might look different depending on the day, like some days might be busier than others. Um, and, and it, I, I don't know, and I don't know entirely what the, what that would look like, um, uh, because I'm not well-versed in economy, unfortunately. Um, but, but that would be, that would be in my vision, a way to pursue something, a, a more just and equitable society in terms of providing people what they can, what what they earn rather than what society decides their worth, their labor is worth. I love it. And then a food truck like that, the process itself is the product uh, for justice and equity. That's cool. Yeah. And, and so if it was a, if it was a coffee, if it was a coffee truck, for instance, it would also be to the best of our abilities, getting coffee that is uh, fair trade. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Well, okay. We're, I'm, we're writing that down. And that's on our short list of cool food trucks to have. Um, where would you take it? Oh, goodness. Um, I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know Detroit that well, unfortunately. Probably, uh, 
probably some of the more disenfranchised areas that don't have access to to coffee shops. Oh, nice. Okay. So uh, maybe out in some of the neighborhoods, like a lot of conversation in Detroit is about there's this kind of downtown thing, there's this midtown thing, and that's where all kind of the the, actual, the, the you know, corporate money goes, right? Yeah. So you're envisioning a, a coffee place that can kind of make its way out to those uh, under under caffeinated areas of the city. Well, and, and, it, and it might even contain like, it might even be a traveling co- uh, co-op instead of a coffee shop, for instance. Oh, nice. Where, yeah. Where people, people buy into it and it delivers, um, it delivers the, the produce. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Because you can, you'd certainly park it and have people come to you. But along the way, you can drop off the, you know, what, fresh milk and produce and that kind of thing. Whatever the case might be, yeah. Uh, eggs from the chickens from your backyard, whatever. Yep, yep. That's that's one of the things that we're uh, we've been using this quarantine to do. We've been using some of our privilege uh, to try to be a little more self-sustaining, even a little, yeah. even a little bit, um, and and working towards being able to better provide for ourselves and hopefully in time our neighbors. I love it. So, Alan, if you had uh, or designed or launched your your missional food truck, what do you think it would be? Okay, so just off the top of my head, I love I love lemonade shakeups. They're a thing that I love. So and yes. pretty pretty easy to make, pretty cheap to make. So you uh, you sell lemonade shakeups because they're delicious and easy to make. And everybody and loves them. Sell those yep. for you know enough enough money that basically the people who are working for the truck are making you know their their labor like wages. their wages back and their labor and mm-hmm. um and so they're already they're making their money back and then you use anything extra any i don't know what you would charge for it to do this but you take any extra money that you're making and you're providing free meals to people so just off of the top of my head i'm thinking tacos because tacos are amazing and the tacos are free to people who just say they need them so whether these people are without homes or whether these people are just walking down midtown and they're hungry you know there's no questions asked just here free there's free food because it's paid for we've made enough money off the truck today to provide you with food so yeah, just kind nice. of sharing, sharing the sharing the surplus with everyone. Do you have a sense of where you drive this truck? Um, pretty much all over. So you would sort of make your money on a hot day in Midtown, probably. All right. Uh, where people are walking around, where people are spending their day. Um, especially people with a little bit more money might be spending their day near um kind of near downtown and then you know you're taking the truck off a little further off road into some of the more areas of more disparity and stuff like that and you're providing free food to people who might need it i love this idea of like this truck that is literally doing wealth distribution like physically right you're taking these 20 dollar bills a robin hood thing you're selling lemonade to the rich and you're giving free tacos to the poor and you you could give you could give the side there for people to also donate for for people's meals you could say yeah like buy buy somebody a meal yeah 
one of our favorite places before it, it closed cafe con leche you know had this opportunity every time you bought a coffee you could buy a second one for uh, the people that come in needing something to eat and um I, we always try to I always tried to take, you know, participate in that. Uh, it just felt really good to, to have that option. And it's because some business decided they wanted to have both kind of economic good and social good as a part of what they provide for the world. Yeah, like a pay it forward from the customers. Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, thank you for kind of casting the vision for those uh, two f food <laughs> trucks that are part of our new missional fleet. Um, and, uh, we're collecting those in case anybody is interested in sharing their own, uh, online with the hashtag Moto food truck. And you can do a little selfie video and kind of cast your vision for what, what your food truck might be. And Helen and Corey, thanks for, thanks for sharing those. Appreciate it. Yeah. Before we go, where is it that people can find the work that you're doing, the charities that you're supporting? Um, pictures of your pets, uh, where, where do you want to send people online so they can connect with you if they are really inspired by what you're doing? You oh, geez. We got so much stuff. You have at this a point. website. I know I have, well, yeah, <laughs> actually I, I have a website and that actually contains like links to, it will contain links to, to everything we've discussed from my, um, blacksmithing pay Facebook page, uh, to, to some of our Instagram for, uh, our farming stuff. Uh, to, to just other miscellaneous projects that we have going on. And that's uh, DisruptiveDisciples.com. Yes. I love it. And we'll add that into the show links. Anything else? Hmm. I think that's about it. You can always check out our Facebooks. That's an option too. Full of uh, social justice -y sort of mantras and other things. I just kind of <laughs> off sometimes. So if you're ready for that, you can check out my Facebook. You can friend me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. It's not exactly a trigger warning, but I love that you just you're preparing people. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's 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 there. It's happening. Thanks so much for for being with us today, and uh, we're really we're praying for all of the the good things that are coming from what you're doing now and what you have done in the past. Thanks. Well, friends, um, you can uh, follow a little bit long. The, the, the next two weeks is when we're going to be doing these um, uh, moto food truck things. So um, we'll be reaching out in the style of tagging five friends each day that we think might have some good ideas for moto food truck. And um, we invite you to, um, you know, share your own vision when you can. Uproar is the brainchild of Samson Koba III. Thanks, Sam, for getting us launched on this last year. It also is our place for continuing to tell the stories of students conspiring for goodness from the heart of the city of Detroit. We hope that you'll support us at MotorCityWesley.org for as little as a dollar a month for individuals and $40 a month for churches who would like to be a part of our network of young adult faith communities around Metro Detroit. Just get in touch with us, MotorCityWesley.org. We're looking to conspire with you. Cheers.